And so we're in this series called Identity Crisis. Everyone say Identity Crisis. <clears throat> and in the world, there's literally an identity crisis because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are in God. We don't, we don't know how to find who we are. And the thing is, when we don't know who we are, when we get advice, someone says, well, you just need to find yourself. But how can I find myself if I don't know myself? And if I found myself, how would I know that's the self that I was supposed to find or if it's the wrong self? So we're walking around trying to find ourselves. But the truth of identity is you can't find yourself. You can't define yourself. You can't label yourself. Only the one that created you can label you. Only the one that created you can label you. And if you want to know what something is, you have to go to the manufacturer. You have to go to the maker. Because only the maker can define and identify its product. And the difference between something authentic and something that's not authentic is something authentic touched the maker's hands. Something that's not authentic didn't touch the maker's hand. You can have a Nike shirt and two of them can look the same. What determines if this one is right and if that one is right is the one that the maker actually touched. If Nike didn't touch it, it's not authentic. If Nike did touch it, it is authentic. And the truth of you is you are authentic because you touched the maker's hands. God formed you in your mother's womb. He knitted you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your soul should know it. You were in the maker's hand. There's no one else on this planet like you. No one else has your fingerprint. No one else has your DNA. Your DNA is distinct from all different people. There's no one in the world like you. Not your sibling, not even your identical twin. There's not another you nowhere. Authentic. There's been trillions of people that's probably lived in this world, and none are like you. You are you. That's truer than true. There's no one alive more youer than you. So to be great in life, you don't have to try to be no one else. To be great in life, all you have to do is be yourself. And I'm sorry, everyone else is taken, but only the true you is available. So quit trying to be that person because that person is taken. The only person that's not taking is the you that God created you to be. So you have to find your identity. You have to find your identity. The two most important days in your life is the day you were born and the day you knew why. And when you know your why, it is a clue to who you are. When God is getting ready to unveil identity, he begins to give you destiny because in order to do what God is calling you to do, you first have to be who God is calling you to be. Who is God calling you to be? When God formed you, what did he form? When God blew into your nostrils the breath of life, what did he blow? What separates you from the animals? What separates you from the birds? What makes you different? The Bible says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God is mindful of you. You're the only thing in creation that God has his mind on. Why you? What is it about you? And let me tell you something. You're different than everything else. They try to say you're like a monkey. You're not like a monkey. You may look like one some of y'all praying for you, but you're not like a monkey. You're not like a bird. You're not like a horse. There's nothing like you. Have you noticed that you are the only thing in creation that has truly evolved? Do you know 6,000 years ago, a monkey was naked. 6,000 years later, the monkey's still naked. With all this wisdom he got, he can't even make a coat. 
Do you know 6,000 years ago, a lion had to walk around and hunt for his food? He still ain't created a weapon. He's still walking around hunting for his food. Do you know 6,000 years ago, a snake had to slide and look for rats? 6,000 years, 6, years later, he's still sliding looking for rats. 6,000 years ago, you had to hunt. Now you at Stater Brothers and Walmart and Sam's, Albertsons. Do you know 6,000 years ago, you had to walk. Now you got a plane. Some of y'all got a car. Hey. You've evolved. 6,000 years ago, you took a picture and you was fat. Guess what? You was just fat. Now you can put on a selfie and be half your size, praise God. 6,000 years ago, if you was bald, guess what? You was bald. Now you got a wig that could come all the way down your back. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm getting petty now. Let me get back to the gospel. Um, <laughs> in other words... What causes you to keep elevating, but nothing else in creation does? Everything else has a form, it has a way, it does have an intellect, but it stays in the same state. But man evolves. Do you know that your nature changes? Do you know that your nature, do you know other animals' natures don't change? There was this frog and there was a scorpion. And the scorpion came to the frog and he said, Mr. Frog, I just need a favor. Mr. Frog said, what do you need? He said, I need to go across the lake. And the frog said, I ain't taking you across the lake because you got that big old stinger and you're going to sting me while I take you across the lake. And the scorpion said, Mr. Frog, why would I sting you and I can't swim? I won't sting you. The frog said, well, you do got a good point. I'm sure you want to live. And because you can't swim, surely I can take you across to the lake. I'm trying to be generous and walk in the fruits of the spirit. Amen. Galatians 5. So... The frog let the scorpion get on his back, and they started going across the river. And halfway across the river, bam, the scorpion stung him. And the frog said, man, you say you won't sting me. Why you sting me? And the scorpion said, man, I'm sorry. It's just in my nature. And he stung him, and he killed them both. And the reason why he stung him is he didn't want to sting him. He didn't want to die. His nature demanded that he stung him. That was his nature. He couldn't get away from it. He couldn't escape it. Guess what? You can get a whole new nature. You can get away from your old nature, the Adamic nature. You can escape it. You can get a new nature from God. You're the only thing that can be bad and be redeemed. You're the only thing that can be damaged and be renewed. You're different than anything else that existed. And the reason why you're different is because you are the offspring of God. You're different. And, and what is man that thou art mindful of him? And hopefully I can answer that question. We're going to do some, a little Bible reading today. Can we do some Bible reading? I want, we're going to do some Bible reading. I want to show you something. If you got your Bible, go to the book of Genesis. Um, Genesis chapter one. It said, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs that yield seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the third day. Verse 14, it says, Then God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs of seasons and for days and years, and let them be for light in the firmament 
of the heavens to give light to the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the water abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to his kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts on the earth, each according to his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to his kind, cattle according to his kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's a lot of Bible reading. I'm going to make it make sense, I promise. So, I'm going to show you something so powerful in the Word of God. I want to show you something. Maybe you never saw it. Maybe you read Genesis. You never saw it. Let me show you something. So, God did something so, so unique. We see in verse 11, it says, the Lord God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Verse 14, the Lord God said, let there be light in the firmament. Verse 20, the Lord said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures. Verse 24, the Lord said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind. Verse 26 said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our own likeness. Church, you got to see what God did. Everything God created, he created it out of something. He created it out of something, and the thing he created it out of would be its source. So God went to the firmament. If you go to the firmament, in other words, that's just space, or, or you go to, if you go to outer space or the Milky Way, the firmament, the firmament is composed of gases, it's composed of gases. So God spoke to the firmament and he said, let us bring forth light. In other words, he was creating the sun. If you go back and trace the sun, the sun is the same materials of the firmament. The sun is just composed of gases. All the sun is is a bunch of gases mixed together. So then God goes to the water. And when God goes to the water, he said, let the water bring sea creatures. Sea creatures like fish, fish are composed of two things. They're composed of water and dirt. If you go to the water, there's water, and then under the water, there's dirt. So when you get a fish, a fish is water and dirt combined. So literally, God spoke to the water, and it brought fish. God spoke 
to the firmament and it brought a sun, it brought gases, and then God went to the earth. In other words, the earth just simply means dirt. God went to the dirt, and when he spoke to the dirt, the dirt brought forth animals. So look it. So God goes to the firmament and he said, let there be light and it creates the sun. God goes to the water and he said, let there be sea creatures. It created fish. God goes to the earth and said, let there be animals. And then it created animals. But when God got ready to create man, he broke his own pattern. He didn't go to the firmament. He didn't go to the water. He didn't go to the dirt. He went to himself. And God went to the Trinity and he said, let us make man. So when God got ready to make man, God didn't speak to the firmament. God didn't speak to the earth. God didn't speak to the water. God spoke to himself. And God said, let us make man out of our image because the earth brought forth animals. The firmament brought forth sun, but God brought forth man. You were created in the image of God. You're the offspring of God. And you were made from God in his image after his likeness. And guess what? Do you know whatever you're made from, you have to stay connected to or you will die. If the sun will leave the firmament, it will stop burning. If the fish leave the water, they die. If the animals leave the earth, they die. And if you leave the presence of God, you will be extinct because you were made to be in his presence. And man should never be separated from God. The same way animals need the earth, the same way fish need the water, the same way the sun need the firmament and the gases is the same way you need God. And guess what? When something dies, it returns to where it came from. When the plants die, it goes back to the earth. When animals die, it goes back to the earth. When fish die, it goes back to the water. And when you die, you go back to God. Wherever something came from, it will always return to. You were made in the image of God. Imago Dei is what it's called. Imago Dei. Imago Dei means the image of God in Latin. Imago Dei. And there's a lot of debates in the world about what Imago Dei means. A lot of debates in the world. Because there are things about you that are separate from animals. But I want to show you the, the biggest distinctions between you and everything else that was created. Because there are some things that you have that animals do have. But what is it about man that God is mindful of him? What is it about man that separates him from everything else? Why did God crown him with dominion? God even said in the Bible, you read the scripture, it says, you even made him a little lower than the angels. But that word was actually translated Elohim. It said, you even made him a little lower than Elohim. In other words, Elohim means God. You made him a little lower than God. You're not on God's status. You're not a God. You're just not. But you are made in the image of God. You are son of God. You are an offspring of God. But then there's another part of you that God did. God did create you in his image. But if you go to Genesis 2 and 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God did form you from the ground like the animals as well. But God did something for you that he didn't do for them. He blew into your nostrils the breath of life. And when God blew into you, he gave you this spirit. And he gave you this spirit that would animate you. He gave you this spirit that would be the real you. And we even learned last week in Jeremiah 1 and 5 that this spirit pre-existed before you were ever physically created. And he blew in your nostrils the breath 
of life. Yes, you are natural. Yes, your body is earthy. And yes, when it dies, it returns to the dirt. It, not you. You return to God. So you're not your body. You're not your flesh. You're your spirit. And I'm going to break down what that means as we go. It's really tough because I got ideas just shooting through my head, so I got to stay on track. But I'm going to break down what that means. But you are spirit. You are the imago Dei. You are the offspring of God. Let me give you a couple things that that mean. The first thing that you being the imago Dei means, you know what? We're just going to teach today. I'm going to do a Bible class. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to teach you guys this. We're just going to do a Bible class today. Y'all got to know this. I'm going to show you this. So I want to show you a couple of things that you are in God. So when you was created in the likeness of God, we're going to talk about the image. We're going to talk about the likeness of God. You was created in the likeness of God. You have 10 things. You have 10 things that you have that's in the likeness of God. But this doesn't make you the Imago Dei. This doesn't make you the image of God because some of these things you have to develop in. And if you had to develop in these things, and if these things made you the image of God, then you wouldn't be the image of God until you developed in these things. But these are 10 things that the Lord gave you. The first thing that God gave man, God gave you the power of reason. Everyone say the power of reason. God gave you the power to think. He gave you the power to analyze. He gave you the power to understand. He gave you the power of understanding. Do you know that when you have understanding, it can't be stolen from you? That's why the enemy's so afraid of you to read your Bible. That's why he's so afraid of you to get in the Word because he knows when you're in the Word of God and you understand the Word of God, he can't deceive you with his lies. God created man like God with the power to reason. You can reason, you can understand, you can analyze, uh, that ain't right. You know, when somebody get up and they preach something, you're like, uh, that ain't God. You know, you can reason. That's a spirit, but it ain't holy, amen? <laughs> you can reason. Uh, secondly, God gave man the ability to create. You have the ability to create. Now, now there's other animals that can create, like the beaver and the bee. They can create little things that go towards their existence to survive, but man can create at a high level. Literally, men create so well that they're actually dumb enough to think they're God because they look at the way that they can go to space and they look at the way they can make airplanes and space shuttles and all of these groundbreaking things and the architecture and the paintings that men are creating that they're able to do. It's mind-blowing. The music. Have you ever heard Beethoven? The things that humans can create are just mind-blowing. The, the, the images, Instagram and Facebook, if, the telephone, if you would have told somebody that you can speak a word and it will be heard on the other side of the earth simultaneously, they would have laughed. But the power to create, and you're most like your creator when you're creating. God gave you creative prowess, and nothing else that exists can create like man because we're in the likeness of God. Another thing God gave you, God gave you the ability to have speech. That you can share things, that you can speak things. You have audible speech. And the crazy thing about your speech is not just general speech, but it's speech with authority. Because God said, not only do you have speech, but I gave you life and death in the power of your tongue. So when you actually speak, you can speak things into existence. You can speak things out of existence. You have creative power to speak. That's why God said, whatever, he said, Adam, name the animals and whatever you call them, they will be. You can speak things, declare things, identify things. God gave man the power 
of speech. Another thing God gave you was self-awareness. Self-awareness that you can have discernment, intuition, that you can know how you feel and know how others feel. When an animal stinks, he's not aware that I stink so bad, I'm messing everybody up. But when you lift up that arm and people start leaning back, you're like, hold up, one, wait a minute, let me put some shower in it. Like, you got self-awareness. Well, I hope you do. You need it. <laughs> you should have it. But God gave mankind self-awareness. You're self-transcendent. You're self-transcendent that literally, unlike anything else, you can go recite the past. You can go back to some happy days in your life. You can go back to Christmas when you were five. You're like, that was just so amazing. And they got me gifts and they all loved me. And it was just all about me and not about you, just about me. And you could think about that and meditate. And then, and, then, and then you could go into the future. You're like, yes, I'm just single, but I'm married. Here got my husband. He's cute. And he just bought me like a new car. We're just living on the lake by the ocean. And it's just awesome. And it's like, wake up. That's not happening. You're living in a box. There's no ocean and no husband. Amen. I'm playing. He's going to come. Um, <laughs> but self-transcended. Literally, you can go into the future. You can go into the past. You literally have that capacity. Like, God, a dog ain't sitting there telling us, man, I wonder what dog heaven going to be like, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be lit up. Like, he can't do that. I'm goofy this morning. I need some help. Um, self-reflection. That man is the only created being that can go to the mirror, look in it, and say, what I've been isn't what I should be. I need to change. I need to be better. I need to be a better father. I need to be a better mother. I need to be a better friend, a better wife, a better husband. I'm not right, and I need to do better. Only man could do it. Your dog has never went to the mirror and was like, I should just quit pooping on a carpet. Like, I just shouldn't do this no more. Like, he's never done that. He's never done that because he can't self-reflect like you self-reflect. I remember my dog bit somebody. And I was really mad at her because she did not feel bad. I'm like, you bit somebody. She's like, I'm like, you bit somebody. She, she just couldn't reflect on what she just did. We're different than animals. We didn't evolve from them. We are higher than them. Another thing we have is a moral compass. A moral compass. We know right and wrong. We know hurting other people aren't right. You don't have to tell your kid. When they do, when they steal, they, they put it in their pocket. They don't walk out with it in their hand. They put it in the pocket. They put it in the diaper. When, when someone is murdered, the cops come and pull up and they arrest them. When two people are fighting, the cops come, they break it up. When two animals fight, the, 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 the animal police don't come. The, the big lion don't come and say, you guys need to quit fighting. I'm taking you to animal prison. No. Because they don't have a moral compass like we do. And we get that from our creator. We get that from being in the likeness of God. We're like him. We're not him. We're not God's. But we are like him. We're like him. All the way, we're so much like him that to save us, he became like us. That's how much like him we are that he can become like us because there's a close relationship. For God to even take resident in a man, there had to be something close to Jesus can come and take resident inside of an animal but he had to take resident in something that was like him God created man in his likeness number nine we have affection we have emotions we have feelings we have affection we can feel we can love we can cry we can rejoice envy jealousy affections lastly we're social like God God was a family we was always created for family. I don't care where you are in life. If you're void of family, you will always feel empty. 
Because you was created in the image of family. God didn't say, let me make man in my image. He said, let us make man in our image. So part of the image of God was family. It was unity. And, and whenever God created us in his image, it was to be a triune relationship. That in heaven, there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when God created us, it was to be husband, wife, and God. He was to sit in the middle of us. It, God didn't just create two. He created three because he was to be the third member of our family. We was to have family with God. We was to be in relationship with God. We was to be in community and union with God. We're social. And you can call yourself antisocial, and you can say you're a loner, and you don't like to be around people, and you do your own thing. You're lying. That is what you say to protect yourself. You was created for unity, family, and harmony. You was literally created in that image. You was created in the image of God. And when you have family, it's nothing like it. And a church should be a big, big family. So those are 10 things that literally make us like God. So those are the things that make us in the likeness of God. But the image of God, the image of God, the Imago Dei is our spirits. That you are a spirit being. You have been created in spirit and truth like the almighty God. And not only are you spirit and not only are you in the image of God, but you have a mind. You have conscious. You're an intelligent being. And you are a triune being. There's three parts of you. There's mind, which is your soul. There is body, which is your flesh, and there is spirit, which is the true you and your true essence. And it separates you from everything else that's been created on the earth. And church, I want to tell you something. The reason you can't find your identity is because you probably haven't found God's identity. In order to know who you are, you first have to know who God is. God said you are created in the image of God, which means you have to understand the image of God and who God is and who Jesus is, and you're to be a reflector of his image. And the reason why God put his image on you, let me tell you why he did it so you can get a deeper revelation. Whenever a creator creates something, he puts his image on it. So when it leaves the factory, that product will represent the manufacturer far away from far away from the, the, the factory. So when God created you, he created you, he placed his image on you. So when you would go to earth and he would be in heaven, you would represent God on earth. You would literally be an extension of God. Whenever a king has a kingdom and he colonizes different places, he puts his image on everything in a distant land. So his glory and his essence and his will and his statutes and attributes will be reflected in the distant land, just like it is in a homeland. And God said, I created man in my image. So when you guys live through the earth and walk through the earth and talk through the earth and multiply and create and have dominion, you would do it under my authority, in my name, in my stead. You would be representatives. You would be my ambassadors on earth. You were created in the image of God so you can reflect God's image on this earth. So when things see you, they would see the presence of God shining through you. And not only did God put his image in you, God put his Holy Spirit in you. He literally put himself inside of you so as they experience you, they would experience him. You're not him. You're not on the level of God. You're not a God, but you do have the likeness of God. You're his child. You're his offspring. 
That is your image. That is your identity. You're not someone that's been abused. You're not someone that's been raped. You're, you're not a failure. You're not someone that dropped out of college. You're not someone that dropped out of high school. You are the Imago Day. You are the image of the living God. That's who you are. When someone asks you, who are you? I'm the Imago Day. I am the image of my father. I am the image of my creator. I'm a representative of heaven. I'm just a pilgrim passing through this earth. I'm not from here. I'm from God. I'm the Imago Day, And when I live, I'm going to live like God. When I walk, I'm going to walk like God. I'm going to talk like God. I'm going to reflect the image of Jesus. In other words, when you're living your life, does it reflect the essence of God? Or does it reflect the essence of where you came from? Does it reflect the essence of God or does it reflect your family? Does your mindset reflect your friends or does it reflect the Father? You got to ask yourself these questions. In other words, I want to respond to situations like Jesus will respond. I want to react like Jesus will react. When I hear bad news, I don't want to sit in doubt and be a negative. I want to say, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? And Jesus would come. Jesus would pray. He would declare the truth. So I'm going to come and pray and declare the truth. I am the Mago Day. And I know who I am because I know whose I am. I am a child of God. I am the kid of a king. And I will walk in the likeness of God because I was created in his image. So church, you have to get a revelation of Jesus. Matthew 16 verse 15 says, he said to them, but who do you say I am? The most important question of identity. Identity don't start with you. It don't, you're not that important, you're not that cute, you're not that awesome, you're not that smart, you're not that accomplished. And I'm sad to tell you that all your good works, which are awesome, don't give you identity. Someone will be better, stronger, smarter, faster. Everything you can do, someone will be able to do better. They'll be able to do it better. I know you can cook really good. Somebody cook better than you. I know you're really cute. Someone's cuter than you. I know you can do hair real good. Somebody does it better than you. So your identity is not in who you are because at some point who you are won't be enough. Your identity starts in who he is. So the disciples was there with no identity and Jesus said, let me help them get identity. And the way he helped them, he said, he said to them, but who do you say I am? Not who people, not who everybody else, not everybody else's opinion. Who do you say I am? Because that's going to determine who I say you are. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, to get a true revelation of Jesus, you're not going to get it through the flesh. That it will take the Holy Spirit to truly give you a revelation of who Jesus is. And if you're in this room and you know Jesus, it did not come from man. It did not come from preaching. It didn't come from sermons. It came from the spirit of the living God. Maybe someone spoke, but the spirit was on it. Because flesh and blood cannot reveal that revelation to you. It says, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you. That you are Peter. Wait, y'all, watch this. It said, blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah. That was his name. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you. So the response to identifying Christ is Christ identifying you. He said, and also I say to you that you are 
Peter. So the moment he found out the identity of Jesus was the moment Jesus gave him the identity of him. Now, you got to understand something. Peter meant pebble. It meant rock. So Peter meant pebble or rock. So he was saying, hey, you're, you're, you're a pebble. You're, you're a little pebble. Then he said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. So he said on this rock and the Catholic church thought that the rock was talking about Peter. Peter ain't the rock. He's just a pebble. He was saying, I will build my church on the rock. In other words, the revelation that I am the son of the living God. On this revelation that I am the son of the living God, I will build my church on that. And Peter, you're a pebble to that, which means you will be a little pebble inside of the church. You will be a little part, a little piece, a little pioneer. A little apostle in what I'm building. I'm the rock. I'm the big deal. I'm the revelation. It's built around me, but you would be a pebble. In other words, he said, your identity is to be a rock builder. Peter, I literally called you to be the founding pastor. I literally called you to be the person that would carry this revelation of my identity. You're not Simon Barjona no more. No, no, no. You are Peter. You are Pebble. You're a little piece of this story. And you are going to be the first person on the day of Pentecost that opens up your mouth that I am the son of the living God. And as people inspired through the Holy Spirit would identify that, in return, I will come and identify them. And I will give them revelations of who they are because they have revelations of who I am. Jesus is your identity. He is. He is your identity. You can't find your identity in yourself. That's why whoever tries to find his life will lose it. You have to find your identity in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. Your image is in Christ. You are the Imago Dei because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. And my question is, who are you in Christ? Who are you in him? Who are you? Let me tell you, you are a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's who you are in God. Now, I'm going to get ready to start peeling this thing off right quick um, at this point. Now, I said all that to get me here. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you need to see what it's there for. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Identity starts with Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Can I get four people to come on the stage right quick? Let me get four people. Four people, come up here quickly, 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 quickly. Let me get four. Get four people. Thank y'all. Hey, y'all, line them up, line them up. Man, these are some good-looking people, too. These are nice four people. So, Matt, I'm going to set you right back here. I want all you guys to line up kind of facing that way. So, Adam and Eve fell. We were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, lost, no identity, no identification, no revelation of who we are. And right here, this is our flesh. Sorry, Jessica. This is our flesh. This is our body. This is our flesh. Right here, this is our mind. This is our soul. 
And this is our Adamic nature or our Adamic spirit or our spirit that's been cursed or dead, rather, because of what Adam did. I'm sorry, Devontae. <laughs> I'm sorry, man, brother. You just a curse, man. Sorry. You should have stood, stood in a different place. Amen. Um, and this is, this is our reality. So as we live, everything about us, because what happens is this is supposed to lead. So because our nature, we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, because our nature is dead, because our nature is cursed, what it does is it grabs our mind, it grabs our soul, and it just passes the curse. It, it, it passes the dead nature of sin, the spirit of sin, everything of sin. It just passes it down to our mind. And the worst part about it is our flesh actually has a mind of itself because it has impulses, appetites, desires. Ooh, she's fine. Ooh, look at her. Ooh, what's up? So our flesh got all this stuff going. So instead of it falling in line, that mug like, mm-mm. And it's over here touching the mind and soul like, ooh, I like him. Girl, what's up with him? Ooh, still that. Ooh, don't, don't tie. And, and your flesh is doing all that. And now your soul is in here from your spirit being tortured, tortured, saying, hey, don't do this. Don't live like that. Let's sin. The little baby come out lying and stealing. You didn't have to teach your baby how to lie. How your baby learn how to lie? Your baby just knew how to lie. Because Devontae, <laughs> Devontae taught your baby how to lie, not <laughs> But your baby just knew how to lie because of the Adamic spirit was born with that. And then the flesh and the desires and the appetites. Instantly the flesh wants what the flesh wants. It, 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 the flesh is animalistic, okay? Have you ever met me? You're like, ooh, he's an animal, flesh. She a savage flesh. <laughs> it's animal. It's just like a, you can literally go to the safari and see your flesh out there running around. That's the flesh. This is the part that was made from the dirt. The problem is your spirit, had, your, your soul had nothing to do with this. Your soul had nothing to do with this, but your soul is a bystander of your flesh and your spirit. So now your thoughts are going to be fleshly. Your mentality, your emotions, everything fleshly, or come from an Adamic spirit. And then Jesus showed up on the scene. He died for your sins, your transgressions. He put on the nature of sin. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin, that you may become the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And then right here in the Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He. See, the you that God is talking about is, this is just your mind, your soul. This is just a flesh, your body, but it's not you. Devontae is actually you. And God says, if you're in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So at that point, God removed Devontae. He brought in Matt. He gave you a whole new spirit. He didn't even clean Devontae up. He left Devontae dirty. He left Devontae disconnected. He left Devontae in that way. He didn't clean him. He didn't renovate him. He removed him. It said, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as believers, we're created to live in a way where we're led by our spirit. We're led by that. But here's the problem. We have a problem, church. You have a new spirit. But your flesh is still your flesh, and your mind still has the residue of Devontae. 
So though you have this new spirit, turn you guys this way, and though he's touching your new mind, it still has Devontae S inside of it. So now though the spirit is saying, hey, we're going to bless them. Devontae and they're saying, we're going to cuss them. And now, and now, and now the spirit is saying, hey, let's pray for them. And then the Devontae said, let's slap them. And now the spirit is saying, give your tithes. And then the Devontae said, YOLO, you only live once, girl. See those boots? And now you got a conflict because though the spirit is communicating to your soul, your soul still remembers Devontae. That's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to renew Mike now. Mike has to be renewed because if Mike is not renewed, the residue of Devontae remains on Mike. Only when he's renewed and he's renewed by the renewing of his mind and he's renewed by the spirit. And when Matt and Mike is in alignment, Mike then lays hands on Jessica and he tells her, hold up now. You're going to have to come back. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to go to that place. No, we're not going to talk to those people. No, we're not going to smoke that. We're not going to drink that. We're not going to lay here and there. Because Jessica is so, she's like, hey, we, we out here, okay? Now, if, if, if Matt and Mike is in alignment, if your spirit and your soul is in alignment, Jessica's in prison to them. But if they're not in alignment, then Jessica can run rapid. So I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something. When you get saved in Christ Jesus, you got to understand something. You're new. And you are the image of God, the offspring of God, the Mago day. You're new. And guess what? If I caught you at the store, and if you was at the store cussing, and I caught you mid-sentence just cussing, you want to know what I'll say to you? That's not you. That's not you. You're not cussed. No, no. You're the image of God. You're the child of God. That's not you. And you might look at me and be like, well, pastor, who was that? I don't know, but it wasn't you. It's what you did, but it wasn't you because you are the Imago Dei. You are the image of God. That's not you. Yeah, you may have laid there, but that's not you. Yeah, you may have stole that, but that's not you. You are the Imago Dei. I hear some kids in the room saying, well, mama, I heard Pastor Sermon, and when I, and when I was smoking last week, that wasn't me. <laughs> Can I get all punishment? Mama, you better say, letting you all punishment ain't me either, so <laughs> you better let them know. That's not you. In other words, that's the residue of the old man. That's the nature of the old man. That's the habits of the old man. And what you have to do is keep renewing you until the old man is gone. And behold, all things have became new. So you got to keep renewing your mind, renewing your spirit. That ain't you. See, the thing is, when you dated that person, you wouldn't have did it if you knew who you were. See, I wouldn't have went to that place, but I didn't know I was me when I went to that place. I didn't know I was me when I was getting drunk. I didn't know I was me when I was in the club. I didn't know I was me, but when I found out who I was, praise God, everything changed. Behold, all things are new. I don't go to those places no more because I know who I am. I did not know I was me when I gave up. I didn't know I was me when I quit. I didn't know I was me when I left the church, but praise God, I know who I am. I am the Imago Day. I am the offspring of God. I am a child of God, and I'm going to stand in the presence of God, and I'm going to bless God until kingdom come because I know who I am. And not only do I know who I am, I know whose I am. I am 
crisis child. I'm doing my go day. And I may have done what they said I've done, but I'm not who they said I am. I am a child of God. And that's why when the apostle Paul was talking, he said, such were some of you. He listed all these sins. He said, such were some of you. Why was? Because a lot of the people were still doing the same sins. But when Devontae's in you and you do that, that's who you are. When Devontae leaves and Matt comes in and you do that, that's not who you are. Let me give you a revelation, church. There's hundreds of you that come to this building and you won't worship God. And the reason why you won't worship God is because you would say, I'm not going to be fake and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. When Devontae's in you and you worship, you're a hypocrite. Because you're not worthy, you need to put on your shoes, you don't deserve to be here. When Devontae leaves and Matt comes in and the old man is gone and the new man is in, you are a child of God. You are the Mago Day. At that point, you deserve the worship. I don't care if you was in a club last night, you deserve the worship. I don't care if you're drunk, you deserve the worship. I don't care if you're high, you deserve the worship because you are the image of God. And you're not a hypocrite when you're in the church house when you have the Imago Day. You're a hypocrite when you're in the clubhouse because that's not who you are. Now when this person goes to the club, they're fake. Now when this person goes to the bar, they're fake. Now when this person sins, they're fake because you're not a sinner no more. You're a saint that's been bought with a price. You deserve to worship God. So I don't care what kind of sin you committed. You can stand before God and bless him because that's who you are. You're a child of God. And children can worship. Children can lift their hands. And being a child is not based on worth. It's based on birth. Because if you've been born again, you have a new man on the inside of you. And this man has promises. This man has positions. This man is seated at the right hand of God seated in heavenly places. Earth ain't even you no more. You heaven bound. You have been seated. You've been crowned with dominion. God is mindful of you. You are the Imago Day, and you could come to the house of God no matter how far you've been running, no matter how much you've been sinning, because you are his child. And when you're acting like a sinner, you're a hypocrite. When you lie, you're a hypocrite. Because you're acting like a liar when you're really a child. When you sin, you're a hypocrite. Because you're acting like a sinner when you're really a son. You are the Imago Dei. You deserve to be here. You get a seat. And that's why we see how God used broken people. We saw it got everywhere, all through the Bible. That people done things that they shouldn't did, but God still used them. God said, we look in the Bible, we see Noah. He was drunk. Noah was drunk as a skunk. We see Noah. No, you this great man. Noah was drunk. We see Abraham. He was old. We see these people in the Bible. We, we, We see Moses. He stuttered. We see Miriam. She was a gossiper. We see Gideon. He was acting like a coward. We see Samson. He was a womanizer. 
We, we, we see Rahab, she was a prostitute. We see Timothy, he was young. We see David, he was an adulterer. We see Thomas, he was a doubter. We see Sarah, she mocked God. We see Elijah, he was suicidal. We see Zacchaeus, he was short. We see Paul, he murdered Christians. We see Lazarus, he was dead. And if God can use them, don't tell me God can't use me. If God can use them, don't tell me he can't use me. God can use you and he will use you. And God says, right now I'm going to break the curse. I'm going to break the yoke. I'm going to break sin off your life. And I'm going to let you go forth into the things of God. And no devil in hell can stop it. You are the Imago Dei. And let me tell you something. What the enemy does is to confuse you of your identity, he brings circumstances to contradict your calling. Which means when you're called to bring healing, he's going to bring you sickness. When you're called to bring blessings, he's going to bring you burden. When you're called to bring joy, he's going to bring you depression. When you're called to bring the presence of God, he's going to make you feel lonely because he will always make sure your circumstance contradicts your calling. And I'm telling you, I may have done the crime. I may have done what they said, but I'm not who they said I was. I am a child of God. And when I did those things, I didn't know I was me. I didn't know it. So I'm going to tell you, church, that's who you was. It's not who you are. You are a child of God. You have been bought with a price. You have been forgiven. And what you have to do, I get ready to close my yelling keys now. <laughs> what you have to do, Amago Day. So, Pastor KJ, I've done those things. I'm not those things. I'm struggling. I'm sinning. Busted. Disgusted. What do I do? Let me tell you what you do, church. You have to make your behavior line up with your identity. You're still acting out of who you were. That's not you. It's not you. And what you have to do is fight the old man. You have to fight the residue of the past. That, behold, all things has been new. That's removed. But you have to fight the residue. You have to fight the stains and the stitches of where you came from. And you have to remind yourself, I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not a sinner. I don't do that no more. I don't go there. I'm not that. And what the enemy tries to do is make you feel like you're fake. And then, and then you walk around and you say stuff, you know, you know what, you know what, I ain't even going to go because I'm going to be real. I ain't going to be fake. I ain't even going, I ain't even going, I ain't even going, I'm going to even go. Let me tell you something. Everything is fake until it's real. I've lost 35 pounds. And when I went to the gym, I was as fake as a Barbie. I had a workout outfit on. I had my gloves on, whoa, in their fake. I didn't want to be there. I wanted a donut in my hand. I didn't belong. I didn't want to be there. I was fake. I didn't belong there, didn't want to be there. But guess what? My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means I have the right to get it in shape. That is my right. This is the tip. The Holy Spirit is in me. This is his body, not mine. He lives here. He takes residence here, which means to be in shape is my birthright. So I walked in there, and yes, I was fake based on my feelings, 
but my feelings aren't me. Just because I didn't feel like I didn't want to be there, just because I wasn't, yeah, like those guys in there. Yeah, I faked it. Yeah, I got on that treadmill. I walked like I wanted to walk when I didn't. I lift like I wanted to lift when I didn't. I declined donuts and Twinkies and fruit snacks when I wanted to eat them. And yes, I was fake. But then one day I woke up and looked in the mirror and I saw weight falling off me and I had no more appetite for those fruit snacks or those donuts or that lemonade and I desired the gym. I'm like, babe, I gotta go run to the gym. Friends, I gotta go run to the gym. I gotta leave you and go to this gym because now is who I am the problem was it was always who I was it just took time for my feelings and my mind to align with it but it was always my promise it was always my birthright so guess what you may have an attitude but an attitude ain't got to have you that's not who you are you are the child of God you are kind you're lovely and you're friendly I don't feel friendly. I can slap all them. Go speak anyway. And keep speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. And in a couple of months, oh my gosh, I feel like speaking. What just happened? What happened is your mind aligned with your identity at that point. Keep renewing your mind and walk and forcing your flesh to go places it don't want to go. And eventually it will succumb to who you are. Because it's the, it's the inner you that's fighting you. Your flesh don't want to agree. It's not, no, no, no. You're your spirit. And it is like Jesus. Anything short of that ain't you. So that flesh and that mindset and everything that's fighting you ain't you. That's your mind that needs to be renewed. That's your flesh. Force it to go until it bends his will. And what will be stronger, your flesh or your spirit? The one you feed most. What are you feeding? If you feed your sheep, you'll starve your wolves. But if you feed your wolves, you'll starve your sheep. What are you feeding? When you don't speak, you're feeding that flesh. See, I don't want to talk to them, dog. I didn't. Yeah, forget. And you're feeding that. But when you go and show love anyway, you're feeding that spirit, man. And he's taking control of you. And all of a sudden, when that flesh get out of line, you say, I rebuke thee. I rebuke thee, Satan. I am a child of God. That's how you take a lick and keep on ticking. That's how you forgive. That's how you walk in the fruits of God. Because you got to strengthen the spirit man on the inside of you.